This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Dojo Live this week, changing things up for you 10 o'clock a.m. rather than 12 o'clock Pacific. But you know, that's what we do. We accommodate. (laughs) My name is Kim Landis, and it's my pleasure to be hosting today's show. Joining me as co-host is America Guerrero. Hi, everybody. Hi, America. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Really, it's weird, huh? We have to say good afternoon most of the time. Well, for me, it's after. So good afternoon, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's our pleasure to get to speak with you, Dan Demirs, who is the CEO and co-founder of Sinchi. So today we're going to be talking about data. But before we get into that very large topic, let's get to know you a bit more, please, Dan. Tell us a bit about yourself and what led up to where you are today with Sinchi. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So prior to founding the company, I spent about 15 years working in some pretty big, uh, complex global organizations, mostly in financial services. And uh, that's where I actually met Karin, who's my co-founder and our CTO, and basically lived the life of today who is our customer. It's organizations that are uh, trying to deliver change and create new business capabilities for their employees and for their customers. And having to pay this uh, this integration tax, as I call it, uh, which adds all this complexity. And uh, one of the things that both Karen and I witnessed is, you know, you see all this technological advancement, you know, year over year, and it's happening fast and furious, yet somehow it doesn't feel like the world's getting simpler. It kind of feels like it's getting more complicated. I see that in my personal life. I see that in my professional life. I see that everywhere. Uh, so new tech doesn't necessarily mean less complexity. And uh, that's what I, I'm personally most excited about. That's why we named the company Cinchi, uh, which is a play on the word cinch, which means simple. So uh, we like to see us as the simplification company, uh, which is long overdue in the world. <laughs> um, and then outside of that, uh, I have uh, th- three young boys at home. So an amazing uh, wife. And, uh, and what else can I tell you? That's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs> You play, is that a guitar or a bass back there? I can only see I it. I just have it there for, to make it look like I play. I would like to be able to play. <laughs> um, one day I will, I will learn to play. I can uh, randomly hack my way through it, but uh, I'm not any good. So. Uh, all right. Well, you, you, play you keep yet. it up. You keep it up. Uh, as life gets simpler, hopefully, yeah, exactly, um, yeah. you can find that time. I love, I love the motivation be- behind you and, and your co-founder uh, to make life a cinch. And mm-hmm. I think you hit on a very, a very good point. So about Cinch, what you are really hoping to simplify mostly, I believe, is the data space, right? Tell us a bit about Cinchy. Yeah, so really what it's doing is it's facilitating the separation of data from applications. If you go all the way back to when we first invented software, which was a long, long, long time ago, as soon as you started to introduce the concept of code and that code needed to remember information, you had to store the data. That was the origins of digital data. That was its original purpose. So if you think about it, the the purpose of storing the data was to serve the needs of the application logic. It was subservient. Uh, 
And since then, you know, that was going back up a very long time ago, we've started to realize that data can be mined, we can turn that into intelligence, you know, it's, it can be multi-purpose, it can not only just remember information, but we can use it to gain intelligence and understand the present and the past and even use that to predict the future. It's pretty powerful stuff. But in a world where data is managed by individual applications, that becomes incredibly complicated. Uh, so we essentially throw workarounds at it. And we have been doing that for decades. So if you think of um, things like data marts and data warehouses and uh, data fabric and data mesh, like all these uh, data virtualization, all, all these different technological uh, capabilities, they're, they're, they're amazing. They work, they deliver on their promise, but what they, they, what they do is they work around that one underlying root issue, which is data continues to be created by the applications and therefore you need to do integration. Uh, and it's not linear, it's exponential. So as you add more digital capability, you have to do more integration. If you had only one application, well, you don't have to do any integration. If you have two, you have to do one integration. If you have three, and that just grows exponentially. And just in my in my past hence life- the complication. Hence the complication, yeah. So, you know, the faster you're able to build technology, the more complex your world will become because of this intertangling of data. Uh, and that's the, 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 the reversal, right? And that required uh, a rethink of the dynamic between data and applications. And that's really what Sinchi is doing is it's uh, enabling a new way of delivering technology capabilities that doesn't result in the creation of every application becomes a data silo. Uh, it uh, separates that. So. Imagine if you're building five applications and all five of them need to be able to interact with a piece of data. Maybe it's about information about a customer or information about an employee, uh, not having to do five integrations. Just It's just there. It just works uh, for the applications and the code can interact with it, but the code doesn't own it. It doesn't store it. It doesn't, uh, it's, it's not the boss of the data. The data is separate and distinct from the code. Uh, so that's what the platform ultimately enables. That's this concept of dataware. What, what I've got in my mind, um, I do not have a technical background, so please forgive me if this sounds really silly, but as a woman in particular, I think of necklaces. If you've ever had like chain necklaces get all like wound up together and there's just, like this mm -hmm. ugly knot and yeah. then you have to like spend your time like trying yeah. to figure out how to untangle them. And that's what's coming to my mind as you're talking about all this data from different applications. And it seems to me that Cinchi might just be sort of like, some magic necklace that just transforms and changes to the one that I want to be wearing in any given moment, <laughs> rather than having to untangle a mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember back, back before uh, wireless uh, headphones, uh, when you had wired headphones uh, and you stick them in your pocket and you take them out, you have to play the fun game of detangler before you can listen to your music. And <laughs> that's just exactly. with one wire. Imagine if yeah. you, you know, every time you looked in your pocket, there was more wires. It's a, it'd yeah, be yeah. a giant ball. Uh, exactly. It, yeah. So it's a really good visualization to make sense of what it is of, that you're, you're talking about. So perfect. So let's introduce the topic of today's show as chosen by you, Dan. What is it, America? So the topic is the breakup is inevitable. Your data and applications. How data work is being used to decouple data from applications and replace chaos and copies with control and collaboration. So why is it important, this topic? Why did you choose it, Dan? Yeah, um, well, there's the efficiency side of this, right? Where 
uh, as an organization trying to deliver digital capabilities, uh, more capability means more integration uh, as a result of the traditional approach. And that means that you're basically paying this tax and this can easily waste half of the IT budget. Uh, but there's also the fact that as soon as you create a copy of data, you've lost control over that. Imagine if you could copy people or intellectual property or money or other assets of value, right? So the the actual underlying thesis of our company is that the inevitable future is one where data is actually managed as if it has value. And we talk about how it has value, but if it had value, how can you copy it? Uh, because if you know my data is worth $10, then, hey, I'm going to create lots of copies of it. And now I'm rich, right? No, it, it doesn't really work that way. Um, so the, the way that we actually design systems doesn't really respect the fact that data has the value. And uh, the consequence of that inability for people to control their data I think is behind a lot of the problems that we see in the world today. You know, the inability to trust information and, you know, well, uh, the, the web 2.0 where every citizen became a collaborator uh, meant that, you know, you share your data, you now lose control over that data. I share my picture with my family. I've now given up control over that picture. I've lost it. And yeah, who knows? You could turn into a billboard over and where was that? You remember that scenario where some American family wound up on a billboard in like Sweden or something? I don't know. I didn't hear about that, but that's interesting. And it's not, not surprising. <laughs> who knows what goes on with it, right? Because you don't have control over that. As soon as, as soon as it's out there, it's right for you know the great data copying machine that is the traditional approach to technology. And uh, so there's one of two potential futures: one where society collapses in on itself, and we. Uh, we live in a world where, you know, truth is based on whatever you want it to be. Um, uh, or we make it such that people can have control over their information, over their data. And uh, you have to kind of bet on which uh, future uh, is going to win. I know most people would choose to live in the one where it's, you live in the real world, <laughs> not, not in your own, you know, personal echo, echo chamber. But uh, if, if you buy into that being the future, well, then how do you actually get there? It requires enabling technology. So, uh, and, and even for that, it can't just be about one company. So like we have Cinchi, the company, but we've also started a not-for-profit called the Data Collaboration Alliance, which uh, is, was seeded by Cinchi, but now includes a network of global experts in data management and privacy and uh, we pull together not just Cinchi technology, but other enabling technologies that really enable this zero copy integration approach. Uh, so the reason that I selected the topic is just I see it is important in terms of, uh, you know, IT and business efficiency, but also uh, for the betterment of civilization and, and the enablement of each of our own ability to control our data in this future, which uh, is important. Um, uh, no matter who you are. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. I, I, I suppose I never really looked at it. It's easy to always have the business mindset in mind mm -hmm. yeah. when we're working with tech. And it's somehow as individuals, I at least I find myself sort of removing myself from that, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that yeah. we need to find that, that balance. So yeah. talking specifically about the business side, I think you had some crazy statistic about, what is it, about half you said? of the the IT resources are used or yep. even we could say wasted on wasted. integration efforts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know that even firsthand. Uh, so when I was at one 
giant uh, global financial institution, literally billions of dollars were spent every year on technology. Uh, and of that, uh, a good 30% was spent on change projects where you're adding new capabilities, you're refactoring, whether you're buying or building, it's change. Uh, and for that project uh, portfolio, half of that was basically to move data around. Um, like I, in a, in a past life, I managed uh, regulatory compliance projects uh, through one phase of my career. And I remember I was managing one, uh, it was like a $25 million program. And of that spend, 25 million of it was on integration, meaning it was a pure integration play. It was grabbing transactional data from different systems to create a standard representation to report that out to external regulators. So this was uh, post the 2008 financial crisis. Um, so, you know, this is this is really big. This is huge. Uh, and if you think about it, if you were to kind of observe an enterprise, you know, from the outside, it would be so weird that you're basically uh, you have, you know, this army of technologists that are doing good work. They're, you know, they're, they're not they're not dumb. They're not slow. They're not trying to do the wrong things. They're doing the best. They, they're doing what needs to be done, given the current constraints. Uh, but what they're doing is how do I get data from my left pocket into my right pocket? Uh, and then how do I get it from my right pocket into my back pocket? And then uh, and all of a sudden you have John Smith, Jay Smith and Mr. Smith. And is that the same person or is that three people or is that four people? Uh, who are our customers? I have no idea. What, what do we sell? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's just so, so silly. Uh, but it's, it's not, again, that people are doing things in, intentional. This is just how it has worked for the longest time. Hence the need for the, the shift. Mm -hmm. So what is this shift? Where, what is Sinji doing exactly to, to solve this left pocket, right pocket, back pocket, yeah. John Smith uh, problem? Yeah. yeah, so there's there's two, I guess, perspectives. There's when you think of, let's take a hypothetical new company in the future, uh, and then we'll work backward for what about existing companies? So imagine you're building a new company. And let's imagine, just keep it simple, that you're going to build your own technology. You're going to build your own applications to run your entire company which you wouldn't do, but let's just imagine for a second that you would. Uh, what would you build? You'd need like an HR system. You would need uh, some type of CRM. You would need, you know, not one application. You would need many applications, a finance system, an accounting system. I would need dozens. And eventually as I grow and become successful, I'm going to have hundreds. Uh, well, every one of those systems is going to have its own data store and it's going to have data in its own application specific data model. And anytime the data needs to be shared, you're going to do integration, APIs, ETLs, and uh, and I'm going to create a warehouse or uh, some type of analytic solution to get intelligence. And I'm going to feed that intelligence back into the applications, right? So I'm going to basically recreate this current state of complexity, uh, even if I'm using best of breed technologies, even if I'm using, you know, all the unicorn companies and uh, startups and, you know, all the latest and greatest stuff, if I'm not using dataware. Whereas if I replay that where I'm now using a dataware approach, as I'm building these applications, these applications, they're, they're not individually storing data. Uh, they're using a common data platform uh, and they're using that to replace the need for each application to have its own database. They can still have their own model. They can still evolve and be deployed separately, uh, but they're not creating a data silo that then needs to be connected via integration. It's basically it's separating the concern of management of data, including storage and controls and whatnot from the individual application. So. Uh, that's for new applications. That means I can now run a company where if I did that hypothetical scenario, I, I can have, you know, thousands of different products that I offer and they can all know who John Smith is as a customer and, and they don't get confused because the data is not copied all over the place. And I can have control over that data and my 
compute and my storage requirements will be massively less so because I don't have all these machinery running to try and do, you know, real-time data streaming and replication and reconciliation and, you know, all this complexity. So uh, that's the first part of it is, is really creating that possibility where you can build multiple applications that can use a shared data platform, which dramatically simplifies the individual applications. So that's for new applications. But even if you're a big company and you have 10,000 legacy applications, if you're going to build 10 new applications, uh, well, the traditional approach is you're going to add 10 more data silos. Uh, why, why add 10 when you can now add one? Uh, and um, so now those 10 new apps can collaborate on the data and avoid integration between them. Uh, but let's say that all 10 of them also need to know about your customer and your customer exists in one of your existing systems, probably multiple, but let's keep it simple in, in an existing system. Uh, well, the traditional approach would have you doing 10 integrations, right? Because each of my new 10 applications needs to know about my customer. Uh, whereas if I'm using a dataware approach, not only can the new applications collaborate on data, but I can now do an integration, not from my customer repository into each of the 10, but into my dataware platform. Uh, and now I'm doing one integration instead of 10 integrations. So uh, think of it as it's a technology that you can use to make it so that for new data and new applications, you avoid integration, period. It, it just becomes uh, obsolete. Uh, but for existing data, when you do need to integrate it, is make it so that that's the last time you need to integrate it instead of just you know the first of many. Um, uh, so I like to say, like, make, don't do integration, do liberation. So uh, when you're going to integrate, liberate. Uh, make sure that that's the last time you ever need to do an integration. Uh, that's that's the whole idea. So it's essentially a technology platform that makes what I just described not only possible but simple. Wow, that's that's absolutely impressive. I love it, and I love that little catchphrase. Right? Uh, what is it? Liberate, don't integrate. Uh, yeah, liberate, don't integrate. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. So talking about the idea of moving from, you know, I think you talked about chaos and copying to control and collaboration. Is this also simplifying this data for individuals within the enterprise? I mean, people who might not be so technological or maybe in some ways data adverse. How is this helping collaboration in that sense? Yeah. Well, today, uh, we actually live in this world where people can't interact with data at all. You interact with these things called applications. Uh, and the applications are often written in code, and then the code interacts with data. Uh, so you're not seeing the data. You're seeing a simulation of the data through the lens of the programmer of the application. And what that means is that every application has its own experience, right? So, But data is data whether I'm looking at customers or employees, you know, there's different attributes, but it's all the same. Um, it's one of the things that I realized after having built a lot of systems from the ground up is, wow, these systems are all kind of the same. <laughs> uh, like 80% of the code is exactly the same, but yet you can't just reuse it. Uh, so what Dataware is doing though, is the separation of the data from the individual applications now means that you can access that data via a common repository, a common platform not just to see it, not just to query it, but to be able to change it, to be able to originate it, right? Because you're collaborating. It's it's like Google Drive, but for data uh, instead of for documents and for files. And anyone uh, can do this? Like coder, do coder, coder or not? Coder or not. And uh, because in, in order for this to work, it needs to have a business-friendly end-user experience. 
that basically uses the power of metadata. So that's the information about the data to be able to generate a business-friendly end-user experience that, um, like I remember when we were first launching, I would have my kids play with it uh, and see if they could figure it out. And Oh, wow. Um, you know, being able to... Uh, yeah, that's one UI UX approach. I love it. <laughs> I, I use that often, even even ter in terms of trying to explain it. Because uh, kids, are, kids are amazingly smart, but they don't have this burden where they have to unlearn. Uh, so, uh, and, and that that need to unlearn can impede your ability to learn. Uh, so it's a great way of just calibrating. So highly recommend get your kids to review your technology, <laughs> no matter what you're and doing. Free. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not, it won't be as fun, uh, you know, versus a Fortnite or whatnot, but uh, yeah. if it's not fun, maybe you should make your technology more fun. But um, yeah, so the, the separation actually makes it possible for now non-technical business users to interact with data for the first time. You've never you've never interacted with data. You're always going through this application. Uh, so the ability to do that is game changing because uh, it, it. I remember there was this moment where I had a realization that you know you think of all these applications that I use as enabling capabilities, but what they're actually doing is they're providing a barrier that separates you from the data. Right, so maybe I'm using uh, an email client and I have an application experience for that, but behind that is data, right? I have my contacts, I have my emails, I have, I don't know, my calendar, I have all this data. I can't just go and run a query against that. I can't just, you know, I'll say, I wanna send an email to everyone who's in my contacts who is in the city of Toronto because I'm gonna be in town and I wanna see who I can catch up for in person. I can't do that because the data is fragmented, it's siloed. Uh, and I can, even if the data was there, I can only do that if whoever coded my, my uh, email GUI supported a code path for that, right? Uh, even though the data is there. Uh, so the my ability to use the data is impeded by the fact that not all the data is one place, it's everywhere, uh, therefore it's nowhere. Uh, and my interactions are limited by application functionality, uh, where what if, what if it wasn't? What if that barrier just didn't exist? Uh, and apps can still exist, they still have a place, uh, and I, I still want rich GUIs but I don't want to be limited by those rich GUIs. I just want to be able to interact with the data. Uh, so that's where it gets really interesting. Uh, can, can, so, we, can we see this in action? It's my understanding that you have a visualization for us. Can we, can we see uh, that? For sure, yeah. The universe. Yes, the universe. Uh, give me one second and let me share my screen. Sure. America, why don't you break out into song while we wait for this? <laughs> <laughs> I started to shake him. Don't do that. I cannot sing in public. Isn't that funny? I can talk in public. Doesn't bother me. Ask me to sing and I, I lose it. <laughs> like I get all shaky and want to cry. I, I just can't. What if we all sing together? Can maybe, you see my screen? Maybe. Okay. Can you not, see my screen not now? Quite yet. I think no? there it's loading. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. There. Okay. I can Perfect. see it. Perfect. Okay. So walk uh, so us through yeah. what we're seeing here. Yeah, so th this is this is Senshi, and you can see as I kind of click around, there's a bunch of different uh, experiences in it. Uh, this one here is what we call the network map. Think of it as a way of basically just browsing uh, all of the company's knowledge uh, based on what you have access the to. The glob of necklaces, the, the gold chain. The glob chain. of necklaces, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I want to search for, um, I don't know, uh, customers uh, so I can find where customers is. Or maybe I want to look for uh, employees and I can find where employees is and see how employees is large. It's because it has more connections. The data is used more often. 
than some of the other data sets. In fact, it's kind of our largest object in, in our uh, network, right? And this is just our company uh, and each of our customers would have their own network, but even individual people would have only their view into the network. So not everyone can see the same thing. It's based on your access. Uh, but um, being able to just see the data and how it's all connected. So like this employee's uh, data set, it lives inside of this domain. Uh, think of that as almost like a, a grouping of, uh, of related data. So uh, it's what we call employee success, but uh, a lot of other organizations may use the term human resources, but uh, mm -hmm. there's all of our HR data. So things like our, our company values, our manifesto, our catalog of employees, organizational design, jobs, open roles, you know, rewards and recognition, all that stuff is here. Uh, whether it's originated here, whether it's connected in from existing legacy platforms, maybe we have one HR system or maybe we have five HR systems, it doesn't matter. It's now normalized via this, this model where this is just discovering the data, but I can actually go in to the data, right? So I can find, for example, okay, so employees tell me more I can just pop into the data where I can then see it. And if I have access, I can change it. Uh, and, you know, I can look at it through a tabular experience, like with rows and columns. So there mm -hmm. you can see our employees, uh, but I can open it up in different skins. Uh, so, for example, there's me. Uh, I'm just going to open this in a new tab and I'm going to open up the very same data. So I'm employee number one and I'm Dan and there's my engagement score and I prefer to go by the name Dan and uh, my title is this and uh, all this same data is now represented in this layout. It's just a different skin uh, and all of this is dynamic. It's generated by the metadata on the fly. Uh, so it's just a different skin on top of the data, the same controls, fields that are read only are read only. If I can't see it, I can't see it no matter what skin I'm mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. But you know, here I can see everything about me, my bio, my career goals, even tell me about my personality profile. I can't change my personality apparently, but um, you know, engagement, open tasks, out of office, performance reviews, everything and being able to pop in uh, to look at data in, a, in this type of skin versus a tabular type of skin and being able to do that with any data that uh, I have access to, period. Meaning if anyone else in our company right now went in and created a new data set, maybe they're building a new application, maybe they're just uh, doing what they would have traditionally done in the spreadsheet uh, and then give me access to this, it will just appear. I can discover it. I can bookmark it. I can connect to it. Uh, I can then contribute to it based on the access. We can collaborate on the data, on the metadata. Essentially, you can use this to run an entire company, uh, which is wow. how we run our company. We literally do everything in the technology. Now, uh, that being said, we don't tell our customers to replace all their existing systems. You connect in your existing systems to liberate that data. Mm -hmm. But as you build new capabilities, you can use this new approach and start to enable collaborative uh, development of capabilities between business users, uh, technical users, while leveraging your existing systems and avoiding the introduction of new silos. And again, every time you need to connect something in, if I wanted to plug in Salesforce or some other platform to here, rather than doing that a thousand times, I could do that once and be done with it. Now it's just liberated. It's available here. It, I can have it do write backs. I can have it uh, track the changes. I can uh, basically enable the decoupling of the data from the applications. Fascinating. What, what I see here is this visualization. It reminds me of, um, if we want to go back to the, the conversation here, the mode, uh, there yep. we go. Thank you. Um, it reminds me of, it kind of laughable because I can think of years and years ago when you'd see these visualizations on television or series and like, <laughs> like this idea of what tech is, but it really wasn't even possible. Mm. And now it actually looks 
possible. Like, wait, what? That's actually functioning. The visualizations, I think, yeah. I think it's fantastic. So as we swing it back to the final minutes of today's show, I would like to talk about the company culture at Sinchi. Sure, you yeah. have a lot of um, experience working with companies prior to Sinchi. Now you're at Sinchi utilizing Sinchi. Mm-hmm. What impact have you seen on your company culture in terms of being able to have data so easily accessed and integrated, liberated, rather? <laughs> right. um, so first of all, there's a couple of things when I think of the, the impact uh, by, you know, some people would call that dog fooding. Um, some people in our company don't like the term dog fooding. So, you know, drinking your own wine and then I throw back to them, you know, wearing your own diapers, but uh, <laughs> you know, using your own stuff. Uh, forces uh, a couple things. One is uh, that you actually understand your technology, right? Whether I'm developing it, whether I'm uh, selling it, whether I'm marketing it, um, I need to understand it because this is how I I, I actually use it, right? Uh, and the other thing is if I uh, don't like it, then I'm not going to be in the organization, right? I'm not going to stick around and use things that I don't like. So it forces kind of this alignment of understanding and passion. Uh, so that you have this kind of conviction uh, within uh, within the company. So like that's built into our values uh, and uh, in, in our company manifesto. And at the same time, it also creates challenges because it's actually oddly unusual for companies to really use their own technology kind of uh, in its in its full glory, like with all its, you know, pimples and everything, like everything, just use it. Uh, uh, and if you don't like it, well, it's our product. We can change it, right? Um, I've been at a lot of companies that don't do that. Uh, it's yeah. oddly rare. <laughs> it's strangely uh, and ironically, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. So we utilize our children and our employees to make our product better. <laughs> 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 no, no, I actually, I actually love it. I love that approach. I think what better way to make your product and your company better than by fully immersing yourself in it? Yeah. For sure. Perfect. Um, As we, my final question for you, I think, Dan, is what would your words of wisdom be for a leader, co founder out there, like someone like yourself? What what have you done right that you think that others might be able to to Mm. learn from and emulate? Well, I've done a lot of things wrong. So I'm glad you didn't ask me about that because that's feel free to share. Well, I think one of the things that we're doing, which uh, I'm excited about, is uh, if you're familiar with the evolution from customer support to customer success as a different way of kind of treating your customers, where it's you know less reactive, more proactive, and uh, incentivizing your customer success teams to be motivated to make the customer actually successful, uh, and even putting customer over company in terms of success. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that model, and we're experimenting with this now, can be extended beyond the customer. Uh, so, like for example, when I was showing you the screen there, we didn't call it human resources uh, because humans uh, are not resources, uh, and uh, they don't belong to the company, right? It's it's actually the other way around. The company is a resource to the humans. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So the you know applying that success centric model, uh, I'm pretty excited about where that's going to go. But the idea of human resources to people and culture to now employ success uh, totally changes how you think about building an organization and um, you know who's actually in charge and, and who's the beneficiary and what's the role and all, all this stuff and if you apply that to product and think product success and if you apply that to 
shareholders and think shareholder success. And uh, so it's, it's what I call the success centric organizational design model, which uh, is both exciting, but at the same time, it's kind of new. So it creates all this mm -hmm. risk and challenges for us where, you know, our leaders have to figure this stuff out because they can't buy the book on that because it's right. new. But I, I would definitely encourage uh, organizations to think about the, these type of patterns and how they can be applied at a wider scale. Uh, and uh, especially when it comes to employees, especially in the modern age, you know, the great uh, resignation and, and whatnot is uh, the company works for the employees, not the other way around. Thank you. That's, that's great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. I, I really appreciate the innovation that Sinji is bringing to technology that you as a leader are bringing to companies as well, focusing on employee success and by default company success. Please stick around for just a moment as we go off air. But before we do, America, what do we got coming up on tomorrow? Oh, maybe she might be having some internet issues. So I will go ahead and introduce tomorrow's show. <laughs> Tomorrow, we're going to be speaking with Nikhil Gupta, who is the CEO and founder at Armor Code. He'll be talking about application security needs automation. And the question we'll be answering is, is AppSec automation the key to accelerating application delivery securely? So don't miss it tomorrow at 12 o'clock Pacific. And also join us on Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific as we have a special panel discussion about LGBTQ in tech. So thank you so much again, Dan, and everyone else. Have a great rest of your day. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.